Good morning, Orlando. Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock. Delighted you're up early with us for our very first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Coming right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger, and look who's back. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Fat and Sassy herself. Good to see you, Deb. Thank you, Bud. I'm Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning Florida leads in the number of law officers killed in the line of duty, and the government falls short of a family reunification deadline. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And have you heard what Trump just did at the NATO summit? Oh my, you're about to. Stay tuned. It's next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Wednesday morning. It's 6.02 on News Radio 1025. Unfortunately, Florida is way out in front in a grim statistic so far this year. Craig Floyd is with the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. Florida does lead the nation in officer fatalities during the first half of 2018 with seven law enforcement deaths uh, out of a total nationwide of 73. So uh, Florida, far and away, has more deaths than any other state in the country. Yeah, Florida is followed by New York and North Carolina with four officer fatalities so far this year. The Florida deaths include the ambush murders of two Gilchrist County deputies who were simply eating lunch. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Meanwhile, a police officer is recovering after being wounded during a shooting in Miami-Dade County. It happened late last night in Hialeah. According to Local 10 News, authorities say the suspect has been shot and killed. The injured officer was treated and released after being airlifted to Jackson Memorial Hospital's Ryder Trauma Center. The Trump administration is missing a deadline to reunite about 100 migrant children with their parents. Officials say 38 children have been reunited with their families. U.S. District Judge Dana Sabra has concluded that 63 of that group of about 100 kids had to be returned by yesterday, noting the other cases were more complicated. He said that any failure in the effort must be documented by Thursday and discussed the following day in court. He said the deadline and the June 26 deadline for reunifying the 3,000 other kids are, quote, Firm deadlines, not aspirational goals, end quote. The death of an employee at Walt Disney World is blamed on an industrial accident. Orange County Sheriff's deputies responded to a 911 call on Monday morning and found 33-year-old Juan Alberto Ojeda unconscious near Disney's Pop Century Resort. He was later pronounced dead at the scene. Deputies say Ojeda was working on a utility vehicle at a maintenance facility that somehow moved and landed on top of him. Out west, firefighters are making progress against the massive wildfire in Northern California. The county fire northwest of Sacramento is 75% contained and should be fully contained by Thursday. The fire has burned over 90,000 acres and has burned at least 20 buildings since it started last month. Back here closer to home, Hurricane Chris, thankfully moving northeastward away from the United States and over Open uh, Atlantic Ocean waters. The National Hurricane Center says Chris is a Cat 2 storm with top winds of 105 miles an hour as of 5 o'clock Eastern time. It was located about 300 miles east of Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. Swells generated by Chris, though, could cause life-threatening surf and rip current conditions along the coast of the mid-Atlantic states. So even if it is beautiful outside, do be careful if you're at the beach. Absolutely right. And next on the Atlantic Hurricane season list, Debbie. I know. I'm more than a little anxious just off the name connection, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I there's say, nothing going on there no, right there now. There is right? nothing no. going on there. But yeah. it is amazing. You take a few days off and you've got Tropical Storm Barrel and now Hurricane Chris. Yeah, you realize, you know, we're getting pretty deep into the season and things are starting to cook a little bit. 
course, we'll stay on top of it here on WFLA. And finally, this is a sad story to bring you. The English Bulldog, just honored as the world's ugliest dog. I remember that. Has died. Oh, no. Yeah, Zsa Zsa's owner confirmed to the Today Show that she died in her sleep Tuesday morning at the age of nine. Zsa Zsa's long and limp tongue as well as her underbite that showed a row of gnarled teeth, helped her earn the title of World's Ugliest Dog just last month. Zsa Zsa's family says they're devastated by her unexpected death. Maybe she died of a broken heart, you know? Jeez, of all the dogs in the world, I'm the worst-looking dog? Either that or she figures, you know, that's it. I came, I saw, I won the World's Ugliest Dog. I made some news, I'm out. Exactly, I'm out. (laughs) Heart goes out to Zsa Zsa's family, though. WFLA News Time at 6.06. Watch as body cam footage captures officers saving a two-year-old who nearly drowned, and these officers had only been on the job for seven months. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you can see the dramatic video for yourself at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Devin, it is so good to have you back, to see you come into the newsroom this morning and to hear the dulcet tones of your voice bringing <laughs> the news to everybody in Central Florida, and I know they're glad to have you back as well. I hope you had a good, refreshing vacation. I did, but I missed those blue eyes, bud, man. <laughs> oh, listen to that. <laughs> she must want something. A little extra time for a news segment, maybe. <laughs> well, okay. Deb, thanks. <laughs> we'll catch welcome. you at the bottom of the hour whenever the news breaks, and there's big news out of the NATO summit before it ever actually has begun. Uh, that's coming right up. Don't miss this. This is really something all authored, of course, by President Trump. As we catch up with a Trump trip in a moment, tying our three hours together, all together, the best in the business, our executive producer, Yaffe, taking your calls, the voice you will hear when you want to get in on the conversation. Stephanie, 407-916-5400. Our text line, never busy, open at 23680 anytime. But standard message and data rates apply there. Trump unleashed on NATO and Germany. I caught this on the way in this morning, just after 3 a.m. our time out of Brussels, Belgium. Wait till you hear what we've got for you next, and we'll definitely want to hear your reaction. All right, it's Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell phone, just hit pound 250, keyword real estate. 608 right now. First of all, an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, and that's coming your way in two minutes. So buckle up on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Just to give you a little bit of perspective on what happened in Brussels this morning, I mean, the, the NATO summit hasn't actually begun, but Trump had a breakfast along with his team, and he's got all the heavy hitters there alongside him at the table. Secretary of Defense Mattis, Chief of Staff John Kelly, Secretary of State Pompeo, NATO ambassador from the U.S., K. Bailey Hutchinson. Across the table was the Secretary General of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, and his team as well. They're supposed to have breakfast, and it's just a backslapping get acquainted. We love each other. We're in alliance. We're all together. We're going to work out whatever problems we have. And Trump took advantage of the moment and really started ripping into NATO for them not paying their fair share that they've committed to, 2% of gross domestic product. You know, we have the biggest economy in the world by far, and we're paying like about 4%. 
you know, Germany's the biggest economy in Europe. It's not even paying its 2%. And most of the NATO countries aren't doing it, dragging their feet, saying it's too hard. We got money we need to spend on other things. And we're supposed to protect them. I think this was Trump at his best. And um, it was a real wild scene. I mean, it just it was deer in the headlights across the table with Stoltenberg in, 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 and, and his team. And we'll get to that cut in a moment. But here's how the president left Washington yesterday outside the White House previewing his NATO summit visit, his trip to the U.K. and his meeting with Vladimir Putin. I have NATO. I have the U.K., which is in somewhat turmoil. And I have Putin. Frankly, Putin may be the easiest of them all. Who would think? Who would think? All right. Now, he shows up for this breakfast. His actual uh, first meeting is not till 8.30 this morning, our time over in Brussels. But this was an advance or a bilateral NATO Secretary General and U.S. delegation breakfast, okay? And, uh, man, Trump served it up piping hot. There is no question about that. And when you hear about this pipeline deal, what he is talking about is something Yaffe and I were not even familiar with. This controversial $12 billion natural gas pipeline, um, the deal that's being done with Germany to pump natural gas in from Russia, supplying 70% of Germany's energy needs, obviously then making them totally beholden to Russia that could turn the spigot off at any time. That, along with Germany and the other NATO nations not paying their fair share, set Trump off. Let's listen. I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia, and I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, Ultimately, Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. And Trump said we've had prior U.S. presidents who've known about this, but just for whatever reason, neither couldn't or wouldn't do anything about it. And he has had enough, and he's going to take care of this problem. I can't play you the NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg's interchanges with Trump because he's too hard to understand. But here is some from the transcript. He says back to Trump, you know, NATO is the alliance of 29 nations. There's some disagreements as gas from Russia and Germany is where the allies disagree. But despite our differences, we, we are stronger together than apart. And Trump ripped into him again. He says, how can you be together when a country's getting its energy from the person you want protection against or from the group that you want protection against? Stoltenberg, then when we stand together also in dealing with Russia, we are stronger. Trump. You're just making Russia richer. You're not dealing with Russia. You're making Russia richer. We're supposed to protect Germany, but they're getting their energy from Russia. 
explain that, Mr. Secretary General. It can't be explained. I'm on fire for the Trump trip. This is like at the beginning of a heavyweight boxing match. You know there's going to be fireworks, but one fighter comes out into the center of the ring and punches the other in the nose while the referee's giving him the layout for the, for, the, for the bout. That's what this was like, and it was classic. Unbelievable. Your reaction to all you have heard. Are you with me? I'm on fire. I'm on the Trump train. We're talking Trump trip. What a start. 407-916-5400. Text me at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there, but who cares? You know you want to weigh in on this, right? Trump at the NATO summit in Brussels, Belgium this morning at a breakfast with the Secretary General of NATO, taking it to the alliance and taking it to Germany before the summit has ever even formally begun. Here's Kevin weighing in and reacting from Melbourne. Good morning, Kevin. Morning, bud. What do you think? As you read that, as you read that transcript, I just had to laugh. I was just like, wow, this is so refreshing to have a president like President Trump who tells it like it is, and he's not afraid to tell them the truth and also to stand up for our country. And we haven't had that in a long time for many of our past presidents. So you voted for Trump, I gather, and you're glad you did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good having you with us, Kevin. Thank you very much. Yaffe does quite something, considering it was at a preliminary bilateral breakfast before the summit even begins, you know, and he just wasn't going to sit there you know, and do the formal nice-nice uh, talk, you know, to <laughs> yeah, show Trump the world how unified right. we are, you know. Right. You know, one thing that was really interesting, too, is uh, the NATO leaders gave Trump credit, gave his leadership credit for these other countries starting to spend a little bit more on their defense. He did. He was schmoozing him up front because yeah. I think what he was trying to do was defuse him. Yeah, it didn't work. No, that didn't work. <laughs> he doesn't put up with any nonsense. He does not nonsense. He doesn't suffer fools immediately after I caught this cut on, on Sirius radio on my, and my Lincoln. Okay. Driving in here this morning. And, uh, and, and so I, I looked at the clock and I knew what time it was. And, and that's how you and I found the sound cut we just played. And, and it's, um, they went back to CNN after that. And immediately they jumped in, look at this. He's going to go make nice with Putin, you know, who's our enemy. Trump calls him a competitor, but he's clearly not an ally. Uh, that's coming here, and now look what he's doing. He's ruffling the feathers again of our allies, our precious teammates in the NATO alliance to stand against the old Soviet Union, and now Putin's Russia, and and saying, look what he's doing. What he's trying to do is strengthen this alliance and make this alliance what it needs to be and what they have all committed for it to be, and it means you pay your fair share that we don't float the whole boat. It's not post-World War II by five or ten years when Europe was on its back economically, and we had to do that. It's time, long time after all these years, for you to pay your share. And Germany, the hypocrisy, the duplicity of doing a $12 billion pipeline deal with Russia and becoming dependent on Russia while you turn around and say, Trump, you need to back the alliance, you know? We're not paying our fair share, but Trump, you can't blow this thing up. I yeah. think it was great. 
And a lot of presidents in the past have complained about them not paying their fair share, but none of them have pushed as hard as Trump has. Yeah, Trump, by the way, after the cameras left the room from that bilateral breakfast this morning, um, I got a quote here from Trump, and here it is. The cameras left the room. The president assured reporters his tough tone will encourage NATO members to pony up, that I have great confidence they'll spend more. But he absolutely embarrassed, humiliated, and called out the richest nation in Europe within the NATO alliance, Germany. I can't wait till Merkel shows up this morning. Yeah, I'm curious how they'll respond. (laughs) Oh, man. High theater across the pond, and we brought it to you here as breaking news, and we'll reconnect with it later on this morning. And when the first meeting happens at 8.30, we're going to have our eyes on that as we're continuing the show, of course, till 9 o'clock. Stick around, and as I said earlier, buckle up. Uh, We're going to have a little bit of fun along the way, too. we got some great stuff that you're not going to hear anywhere else on the radio. we got Deborah Roberts coming up with the news, and it doesn't get any better than that. Back from vacation, Deborah Roberts bringing us the news at the bottom of the hour. Florida leading the nation, but not in a category where we want to be number one, huh, Deb? Yeah, definitely not, but we lead the nation. The number of law officers killed in the line of duty so far this year, we've already lost seven officers. That's according to Craig Floyd with the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, which has released its mid-year tally. You had uh, one that died uh, of a job-related illness during a training exercise. Uh, Three were shot and killed. One struck and killed uh, along the roadway, and two died in auto crashes. Florida lost eight law officers all of last year. The seven who have died so far this year are Corrections Officer Tawana Marin, Daytona Beach Police Officer Thomas Coulter, Highlands County Deputy William Gentry Jr., Lance Whitaker with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, Gilchrist County Sheriff Sergeant Noel Ramirez and Deputy Taylor Lindsay, who were ambushed as they ate lunch at a Chinese restaurant, and Brevard County Deputy Kevin Stanton. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A lifetime ban on pet ownership imposed in Volusia County on a homeless man who beat and kicked his dog to death is reportedly going to be lifted. On Monday, 53-year-old Dean Sullivan pleaded guilty to misdemeanor animal cruelty and a circuit judge granted the prosecution's request for the lifetime ban, plus 240 days in the county jail. The ban is permitted under Ponce's Law, which is named after a Labrador retriever puppy that was beaten to death in Ponce Inlet. However, that law doesn't take effect until October 1st, and the Daytona Beach News Journal reports that Sullivan's public defender and the state attorney's office have since agreed to remove that ban. If you've always wanted to gig a gator, it's time. Tammy Sapp at the Florida Wildlife Commission says there are so many alligators out there that the commission has decided to issue uh, 1,313 additional licenses. Yeah, We've revised our management objectives so that we could address this healthy, thriving alligator population in Florida. So in the interest of public safety, our intent is to reduce the population of this sustainable resource in areas where people and alligators are most likely to come in contact. Yeah, you can apply for a gator tag at your local tax collector's office or over the internet at gooutdoorsflorida.com. When you were away, I got into another harangue. This is just a drop in the bucket. We got to cut that population down and not buy a couple of thousand. Anyway, I'm digress. Back to you, Deb. Yeah, you do. And and a snake and its owner are grounded after trying to board a plane at Miami International Airport on Sunday. Alert TSA agents detected an organic mass inside a computer hard drive. 
that was inside a bag checked for a flight to Barbados. Turns out that mass was a live ball python. Oh, Lord. Which was turned over to U.S. Fish and Wildlife. The TSA says the passenger who tried to sneak the snake onto the plane will be fined. Don't get me on another critter hunting harangue. Yeah, oh, man, they're right at the top of the list with the gators. Oh, look at that. It's Woo! time. Uh, you can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Nobody tweaks the bud man like my partner, the dev meister. Yeah, you hey. got me going. You know all the buttons, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> all right. It's good to have a goal. <laughs> Let's bring in Gina Cervetti live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City with the Daily Bloomberg Business Report. From us all, good Wednesday morning to you, Gina. Good Wednesday morning, bud. Futures are down. What's going on? Oh, it's all about trade this morning. We've got the Dow futures down 209 points, tracking global markets into the red after the U.S. issued a list of $200 billion more in Chinese goods targeted for tariffs, and China vowed to retaliate. This is reminding investors that the trade war is still there, even though earnings season coming up is expected to be one of the best in a decade. And before the big announcement on these latest proposed tariffs, we had stocks rising yesterday. The Dow jumped 143 to 24,920. The S&P was up almost 10, or just about four-tenths percent, to 27.94. The Nasdaq tacked on three points and closed at 77.59. And the Bloomberg Orlando index was down about three-tenths percent. As we reported earlier in the hour, President Trump's over at the NATO summit putting some real heat on him there. He's been putting some heat on one of the top drug makers, and apparently it's made some kind of a difference with Pfizer, right? Mm -hmm. Pfizer has agreed to delay planned price hikes for certain drugs after President Trump launched an attack on the company, saying it should be ashamed of the move, the planned hikes. Pfizer says it will put off the price increases that took effect on July 1st in order to give President Trump a chance to work on his blueprint to change health care. Another Facebook privacy breach, and this one's going to cost him some money. What's the story there, Gina? Well, Facebook is facing a fine of $664,000 by the U.K.'s privacy regulator after the social network giant failed to prevent key user data falling into the hands of a political consultancy. This is related to Cambridge Analytica. may not seem like a lot of money for a company of Facebook's size and heft, but it was the maximum penalty allowed under laws at the time of the incident. The tech giant is accused of not properly protecting the user data and not sharing how your data was harvested by others. Gina, you began with issues related to trade and tariffs. Let's end there if we can right mm -hmm. now. Apparently the price of those cheap TVs out of China is about to go up. What do you know? Well, it could under some of these latest proposed tariffs. TVs with names like Hisense or TCL from China have long been the go-to for bargain hunter hunters scouring Best Buy for deals, but this could change. Nestled among the thousands of knickknacks, paraphernalia, and foodstuffs targeted in this next U.S. salvo of tariffs are components essential to TVs and displays. And depending on the scope of the tariffs, even South Korean rival Samsung could be forced to consider a shift here since it has a large production base in China. Very interesting as always. Great having you with us for the Daily Bloomberg Business Report. Everybody waits for it. Can't wait to have you on the show tomorrow at 635. Until then, Gina, be well. Have a great day. Thank you, bud. You too. Okay. Coming up, you know, you take a look at something that you read or you see and you say, I have that nagging feeling this isn't going to end well. I'm having that feeling now about the new trend in after work entertainment.
axe throwing in Orlando. Right after we update Orlando's news, weather and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. There is a trend in entertainment and eateries called axe throwing. It was big in Canada. Now it's caught on around the rest of the country, and an axe-throwing joint is going to open on Robinson Street in downtown Orlando, we're told, the Epic Axe-Throwing business. It's called Epic Axe-Throwing. It's going to be on East Robinson Street, going to open in August, okay? I mean, it's, it's part of a nationwide trend of opening places where customers throw sharpened axes at blocks of wood. So they stick in the block of block of wood. You score points. It's it's kind of like kind of throwing darts, or it, it's um, uh, you know along the lines of uh, target shooting with a gun, that sort of thing. How is this going to work out? I put it under the category of things that will not end well. I'm really concerned about this. There's a different version of it down in Fort Lauderdale, and what's different is this: in Orlando, they say they're not going to be selling any alcohol. That sounds like a good thing. But I don't know how you're going to attract enough business after work, that sort of thing. Come on over and wind down if you got an axe to grind with the boss at work. You know, why don't you come on down here and throw some axes and work it out? Are you going to attract enough people if, you, if they can't get a drink when they go there? In Fort Lauderdale, they're going to be serving beer and wine. That sounds like it's good for business. But it sounds to me like we're going to wind up with a higher body count than we are in Orlando. How is this going to work? This is amazing. At Epic Axes, we're told, they'll supply you with a double-bladed axe, and there are 12 lanes that apparently are kind of like fenced off from another, so theoretically that makes it safe. You throw the axes, you take out your aggression, you channel your warrior skills, as I'm reading here. Um, You rent a lane for about $25 an hour, throw all the axes you want at that big chunk of wood there. Or $40 for two hours for those who book online. Uh, Yaffe, do I have this in the right category as I plan the show of things that won't end well? What do you think is going to happen? I think I think you're going <laughs> to find that you're going to get some people who've had a very bad day at work or have some other axe to grind in their lives. And, and I don't think it's going to exclusively be sport. I think there's going to be problems. Now, again... We're not serving alcohol. Maybe you don't have as many problems, given how some people are when they drink. Down in so I don't know whether the business will survive without the booze, but the booze makes it more dangerous. That's the Fort Lauderdale route. That's the where they're going at their axe throwing joint down there. What do you think of this? I think they should have called it Axe to Grind. That's a great name, Steph. You like to get out and about and try new things, hit new places. What about an axe throwing joint? Would you drop by after work? I don't know about that. I actually, my old gym, my CrossFit gym, they did that. That was in their competition like a few weeks ago in Daytona for like a CrossFit Games thing. Really? They had axe throwing. What do you think of that? I was like, that's crazy. Someone's going to get killed. It sounds like it to me. This just sounds flat out like, Yeah, you know, what if you had a bad day at work? That's exactly I mean, right. Oh, my gosh. We have gun ranges, though. Those guns are more dangerous than axes, and we don't have all these problems. Mm. You can go to a gun range after work and... Some damage too, yeah. right? So you think it may end well? Yeah, will it work no, without? Will it work without booze? You're not going to yeah. be not selling any booze at a gun range. Yeah, that's true. Now the booze factor is a little interesting, but I think we'll be fine. 
Okay. Good for business, bad for the body count, I would think, in terms of the booze. I mean, we live in Florida. Something's bound to happen. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know it's always Florida. I, I think there's wisdom in that. All right. We'll watch for it. But uh, we gave them a free promotion here. Downtown Orlando, they're going to open up Epic Axe Throwing. So, um... I bet it's good exercise. Axes are not... They're not light. They can be heavy. That's true. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, time for the Daily Sound Judgment Game. They got a whole new concept in Monster Jam, and everybody loves Monster Jam. Normally, it's outside in the old Citrus Bowl, right? This is going to be indoors, indoors, and a whole new deal. And it is coming up, and we are on the cutting edge giving away free tickets to this new Monster Jam. What a great summer deal for you, the kids, and the grandkids. If you want to play and you haven't won sound judgment in a month, you are eligible by company rules to call me now and get on the 50,000-watt front porch. This is a great new event coming locally, and we've got the free tickets first time this morning. Uh, the new concept in Monster Jam. Steph will tell you all about it in a moment, and we'll play the game. 407-916-5400. 407-916-5400. Sound judgment coming right up. Today I slid the sound judgment game into the 6 o'clock hour for you folks who can't be with us later than this. So we're about ready to play the game. It's a brand new prize. Pretty excited about it. Steph, let's uh, let's tell everybody what we're playing for. Yes, so today we have a family four-pack of tickets to Monster Jam Triple Threat Series at the Amway Center on August 18th. Tickets are on sale now. Visit 1025WFLA.com, keyword events, for more info. The Monster Jam Triple Threat Arena Tour is an entirely different format than Orlando fans have witnessed at the stadium. This upcoming tour features eight of the most talented Monster Jam drivers competing on three different vehicles during the competition. And it's indoors in the heat of August. Oh, you got to love that. Great new concept in Monster Jam. And that will be at the Amway Center. And you're going with your kids, your grandkids. We got a family four-pack for you. And here we go. Are you ready? It is July 11th on the calendar, and on this very date, 30 years ago, in 1988, then-businessman Donald Trump was hired as an advisor by a sports superstar. Fast forward to the 2016 presidential campaign and listen to the sound of the same famous athlete explaining why he's backed Trump for president. Then, use your sound judgment to name this Trump supporter who once hired Trump as his advisor. Let's try something new. We tried Obama, right? Time for a change, so we got to change. So now let's try something new. Right. Let's run America like a business. <laughs> yeah. But no colors matters. Everybody, whoever could do the job gets the job. Recognize that voice? Sounds unlike any other. An athlete unlike any other. And he hired Trump 30 years ago today as... His advisor. Who was that? Line one, you're first up. Hey, uh, was it Magic Johnson? No, but thanks for trying. 407-916-5400. Grab the open line. You can win. Line two, who was that? I, I don't know. Thanks for trying. Very famous, very controversial athlete. 407-916-5400. He's got that little voice, right? He's a great big guy, but he has this little teeny voice. Uh, you, you, don't you know who this is? I can't believe these people don't know who I am. I says, I'm a legend. I'm a sports legend. I was one of the greatest of all time. Who, who is that, line three? Go ahead. Michael Jordan. No, not Michael Jordan. He'd punch you in the nose if he thought he sounded like that. 
You're on to something, though. The first name is right. Who is that? Line four. Hired Mike Trump. Tyson. Say it again. Mike Tyson. You're absolutely right. You are winner. I mean, it, I'm glad somebody finally recognized my voice. You know, I mean, it's really, it's really hard for me sitting here. Nobody knows who I am. I, it, it's awful. Congratulations on winning our, our sound judgment game. You're going to that Monster Jam thing. I hope you're excited about that. I am. Yeah. What's your first name? Uh, Robert. Yeah? Where do you live, Robert? I may come over and punch you in the nose there. You know, I... <laughs> no, maybe I shouldn't give the answer. All right, just tell from me what uh, town. I don't know the streets and all of that. I don't have time for that stuff. I'm much too busy. From St. Cloud. All right, think, with St. Cloud? What kind of name is that? What is that, St. Cloud? You got clouds over there? Does the sun ever shine down there? <laughs> Jeez, give me a break, will you? All right, you're listening. You're going to Monster Jam. I, I'm, I'm tired of this. I don't want to talk to you anymore, all right? I, I appreciate it. <laughs> And, uh, and, and I'm giving a microphone back to Bud. I'm going to put you on hold. You talk to Stephanie, all right? She's a sweetheart. You're going to love her, all right? Thank you. All right. Don't go away. And congratulations. You won the uh, you won at, uh, Monster Jam. But take this. This is stupid. I'm not doing it anymore. Jeez, my car. Ho, ho. Yaffe, he threw a right at me there. Good thing my cat-like reflexes. I was able to dodge it. I'm okay. We can do the rest of the show. Yeah, I'm not going to protect you from him, so you're on your own. <laughs> right. Robert, way to go, man. Way to go. Coming up, there is a survey out that says Orlando is the third best city in America in which to drive. You're out there driving in all likelihood as you're listening to me. Wait until I give you chapter and verse on this. Has anybody who did this survey ever driven in Orlando? It's all coming up right after my co-host, Deborah Roberts, who's back from vacation, updates us on the news at the top of the hour. Florida leading in the number of law enforcement officers killed. A serious story. And algae in southwest Florida could hurt tourism. That's a mess for sure. Deb, with all the news from the Frontgate Realty Studio, from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Good morning, Orlando. It's 7 o'clock. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a Wednesday at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts. Good to have you back. How you doing, Deb Meister? It's good to be back with Blue Eyes. Our top uh, <laughs> stories this morning. Florida leads the nation in the number of law officers killed in the line of duty and algae in southwest Florida could hurt tourism. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And how could it be Orlando rated number three in the nation among cities that are best to drive in? What? you got to be kidding me. <laughs> have they driven here? Huh? And that's what I'm wondering. We're talking about it next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Wednesday morning at 7.04 on News Radio 102.5. So far, not so good this year as Florida leads the country in deaths of law officers and the line of duty during the first half of 2018 with seven. Perhaps the most uh, outrageous act of violence committed against law enforcement occurred in Gilchrist County, uh, where two uh, uh, sheriffs, a deputy and a sergeant, were shot and killed in an ambush attack while eating at a restaurant. Yeah, Craig Floyd with the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund says eight law officers died in Florida during all of last year. Of course, one death is one too many. Florida is followed by New York and North Carolina with four law officer fatalities so far this year. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. That's really disturbing, isn't it? I mean, we're a big state with a big population, but to lead the country here... You know, over states like New York, California, Texas, yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I'm I was shocked to see that we lead the country. Yeah, and we remember well a couple of those a couple of those deaths here um, uh, in Central Florida. We reported on them, and our hearts still ache. Yes, absolutely. State officials say a Daytona Beach roller coaster was going too fast when it derailed last month. Florida Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam said an investigation also found evidence that the sandblaster had derailed on a previous occasion. Engineers said proper repairs at that time could have prevented the June 14th derailment. If you remember, the accident caused two riders to fall 17 feet to the ground and injured seven others. Yeah, they brought it to Daytona back in 2013, as we reported. It's a 40-year-old coaster that's had a checkered history with safety wherever it has moved around the country. Yeah, it absolutely has. In fact, there was one time last year where the state had put out a uh, cease order, do not, do not use this ride. Yeah. So how it was running last month, God only knows. Yeah, more questions need to be answered. Algae growing in southwest Florida waterways is causing concern for those who make their living on the water. The owner of Cape Coral's all-around boat rental says he's already hearing from people who are worried about the health effects of the algae. A woman who lives on her boat at Sweetwater Landing Marina tells NBC2 she's seeing other owners put their boats up for sale. In the meantime, the head of the Everglades Foundation is calling on the White House to support construction of a $1.4 billion reservoir south of Lake Okeechobee. Foundation President Eric Eichenberg says this is one of those now-or-never moments for dealing with that toxic algae from Lake Okeechobee. We need the White House to approve the Everglades project immediately so that the United States Senate can include the reservoir in the upcoming Water Resources Development Act. Otherwise, Florida is going to be faced with another two to three years of toxic algae and continued bureaucratic delay. Eichenberg says there's too much at stake to ignore the problem any longer. To that end, Senator Marco Rubio has issued a statement saying that the Office of Management and Budget has approved the reservoir project. And finally, MGM is pulling the plug on a collection of wines inspired by The Handmaid's Tale. The wine inspired by the very popular Hulu series was publicized Tuesday and received swift condemnation from social media. Some called the tie-in tone-deaf, with the description of one wine saying it was reminiscent of a character stripped of her freedom who has to use her feminine wiles to stay in control. The wines were pulled by the end of the day. What do you think? (laughs) Tone deaf. Absolutely tone deaf. I think so. (laughs) WFLA News Time at 7.07. And you can read about the NFL Players Union filing a grievance over the new national anthem policy. You can get the details at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. We're prying open the Budman's Believe It or Not file, and wait till you see what pops out. A national survey that rates Orlando as the third best city to drive in. <laughs> as folks laugh their heads off um, on I-4. You're either going to be <laughs> laughing or pounding the steering wheel or doing both simultaneously. You don't want to miss this. I'll break down the survey. It's coming right up here on Good Morning Orlando from the Front Gate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Going to have a word from Deb here in a moment, followed by an update for you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Stay with us. That's all in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So you're out there fighting the battle on I-4, the highways and byways all across central Florida within the sound of our voices. 
It's why we bring you traffic along with the weather every 10 minutes to try to get you through the morning commute, which can be an absolute nightmare, followed by its ugly cousin, the evening commute. Um, If I were to ask you, among the 100 largest cities in America, where you would rate Orlando in terms of a city to drive in, would you rate it close to the top, close to number one, close to the bottom, number 100? Where would you rate Orlando based on your experience? Some of you have driven here your entire driving lives. Others have lived in other places and have uh, some perspective on that as a result. Um, I will tell you that WalletHub, which does surveys of all kinds across the country, finds that Orlando is the third best city in America to drive in. I just about fell off my office chair prepping the show when I saw the results of this. I will get into it in a moment in detail. And we almost could have been number one if we were a little stronger in one other category. I mean, this is just the most bizarre finding to me based on my experience in driving in and around Orlando for the last 30-plus years. What's your reaction to that? Wallet Hub, by the way, I think they need to get out of the survey business. Maybe this is just all about getting hits for their website. But they're basically a personal finance website, um, and they're based up in Washington, D.C. Maybe they don't have anybody who's ever driven a road in Orlando, or I-4 much less. And they bill themselves as a personal finance social network with a focus on reviews for financial advisors. But they do surveys on all kinds of stuff. And in terms of deciding the best and worst cities in which to drive, and by the way, where would you place Orlando? And do you have an idea based on your experience if you drive around this country, used to live in other places, where the best or worst place might be? 407-916-5400, 407-916-5400. What's your reaction to Orlando being number three? Does that comport... Uh, and with with your experience on the roads, 407-916-5400. Join me and the text line 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. They have four categories um, and rankings, and then they average it all out, okay? Cost of ownership and maintenance, traffic and infrastructure, safety, and um, accessibility of vehicle maintenance, okay? I'll give you more on these categories in a moment, but I will tell you that based on all of this, Orlando is rated number three. We're number eight in cost of ownership and maintenance, number three in traffic and infrastructure. More on that in a moment. Number 83 in safety. That's our lowest. Number four in accessibility of vehicle maintenance. Okay? Number one city, best to drive in, Raleigh, North Carolina, followed by Corpus Christi, followed by us, followed by Greensboro, North Carolina, followed by Plano, Texas. Jacksonville, among Florida cities, is next best at 9th. Tampa's 10th. Miami's down at 74th. The big cities in the nation are all in the 90s to 100. Detroit's the worst at 100. Just ahead of them, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Seattle, Boston, New York City, Newark, New Jersey, etc. Okay, an absolute traffic nightmare in those places. But at any rate, here is the one thing that blew my mind with the Wallet Hub survey. We are number three in traffic and infrastructure. And that's based, among other things, on calculating the annual numbers of hours that a commuter is stuck in congested traffic, the average length of commute, the quality of roads. I-4 alone should have had us at the bottom of that. Amazing. Cost of ownership and maintenance category, where we wound up as number eight. 
That involves determining things like the average price of gas. We do better than a lot of other places in the country uh, in that. Uh, car insurance, premium costs, auto maintenance costs, et cetera. We were way down on the safety ranking at 83. That has to do with uh, the frequency of accidents, the likelihood of accidents, the traffic fatality rate per capita, the rate of car thefts, um, how strict we are with DUI punishments. And then there is access to vehicles and maintenance where we were number four, okay? That has to do with things like the number of car dealerships per capita, the number of auto repair shops per capita, car washes per capita, gas stations per capita, parking lots and garages per capita, okay? But we are number three overall. We are rated nationwide as the third best city in which to drive. I would love your reaction, and you are next. This nationwide survey by... WalletHub.com finds Orlando the third best city in America in which to drive. And uh, I've laid it all out for you. It's from the Budman's Believe It or Not file based on my driving experience here. We're nowhere near the top. Let's go to Van in St. Cloud. What do you think, Van? Good morning, sir. Morning. Before I write my complaints, I give you my compliments. Outside of I-4... You guys have some very, very nice roads down here. And your highways, the byways, all the grass area, extremely, extremely clean. I'm from Chicago. Right, and we don't, you know, they're not all beat up with potholes from the frost and the freezes in the morning and all the sand and the salt and everything. That that does, I agree with you. You notice that when you come down here. Exactly. Now, my complaints, nobody down here likes to use a turn signal. Nobody likes to say thank you when you let them in traffic. And it's hard to make a left-hand turn anywhere. So do you think we're worse than Chicago when it comes to driving? Yes. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll bet you're not alone. Let's go to Dave in Mount Dora. What do you think, Dave? Well, but I spent last year uh, driving through 38 states from here to California and Oregon, throughout the Midwest and New England. i got to tell you, when I came back to my home state of Florida, mm-hmm. I found the rudest, most aggressive drivers here in Florida. I mean, the wild lane changes, the speed limit excesses, uh, people just going crazy. And then you have the old folks who get in the left lane, and they should be in the right lane. Uh, Yeah, and they're they're coming up I-4 from Tampa, and they've had the uh, turn signal on since St. Petersburg. That'll drive you crazy. Right, and they take, you know, (laughs) five miles to make that right turn into the parking lot. But but really, they are the aggressive drivers who do improper lane changes and cut you off. It is a huge problem. By the way, Chicago's 91 on the... Survey, um, 90, it's close to the bottom. Um, Yaffe, Steph, get in on this before we check the text line and go back to the phones briefly. Yeah, I would have to agree with these callers. The biggest problem with driving here is the other drivers. But there are some really nice roads, the toll roads. We complain that we have to pay for them. But you go on like the 429 or the 417, they're, they're some of the nicest roads in the country. So I think that might be part of the reason why this list why we're higher on the list. I just don't see how we wind up number three in the midst of the I-4 project, okay? Now, yeah, I mean, that is the number true. one artery, and it's the worst road in America. It's rated as the deadly, deadliest highway in the country. Now, Steph, it's interesting. You're with us in central Florida now, but you grew up outside Washington. They're rated number 90. We're rated number three. What do you think? Yeah, I don't get that at all. Traffic and just driving up there is horrible. Well, I they're mean, 90th. They're bad. But we're rated the third best? Oh, no. I don't see how we could be at all. Neither do I. At all. I wonder about Tony in Orlando. Tony, what do you think about this Wallet Hub survey? We're number three of the best cities to drive in. 
I think whoever made the survey up is doing a lot of heavy drugs. You drive a cab, I, don't you? Yes, I drive a cab. First of all, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I-4 was ranked the deadliest highway in America. Yeah. Has anybody ever driven on Sand Lake Road? Going through Dr. Phillips' area? Oh, bumper yeah. Bumper to bumper. Lights don't work together. Mm-hmm. Has anybody driven on uh, Cimarron Boulevard from the airport into Castleberry? Every light goes against each other. If I had your job, my my cabby, my my blood pressure would be off the charts. Are you I can I can't even I can't even think who would make this survey up. They maybe they never drove in Orlando, or they're doing some good drugs. I don't know. <laughs> I think you may be right. Thank you. I got to move on. Joe, quickly out of Titusville. We're number three of the best cities to drive in. Orlando. Does that work for you, Joe? Well, sort of in a way. Okay. The infrastructure, you know, the roads themselves are much better than pretty much everywhere else. You know, the ice and snow just tears up roads. Right, I agree with that. And as far as having access to, you know, repair shops, that might be so. I don't know. What I find horrible in Florida is that you have all these people with different driving styles coming from different countries, different areas. Yep. That drives me crazy. Yeah, and you throw the tourists into the mix, and it's a nightmare. I agree. Great conversation. Appreciate it. (laughs) Number three. (laughs) Give me a break. (sighs) You're on the 50,000-watt front porch on the Wednesday edition of Good Morning Orlando. We're right about at the halfway mark right now. Much to come. Deborah Roberts back from vacation now particularly for those of you just joining us to get you up to date on the news. Deb? Yeah, and Florida leads the nation in a grim statistic, but according to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, there were 11, or rather seven, officer fatalities in Florida during the first half of 2018. The Memorial Fund's Craig Floyd says that's the most in the country and nearly 10% of the nationwide total. Seven officers killed in Florida already in the first half of this year, compared to eight who died in the line of duty in all of 2017. Uh, So that certainly is not good news for the state of Florida and the officers serving there. Yeah, the number of dead includes the murders of two deputies in Gilchrist County who were ambushed in April as they were eating lunch. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Well, another summertime day in Florida where we're going to feel like we're sitting on the surface of the sun. So yeah. it's good news that 7-Eleven is handing out free Slurpees today to celebrate its 91st birthday. And it's on the calendar. Exactly. America's largest convenience store uh, chain will be giving away small Slurpees from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. to note its namesake day. As you just mentioned, Bud, July 11th or 7-Eleven. Yeah. About 9 million frozen drinks are expected to be doled out by the end of the day, but there's no word on how many brain freezes are expected. I'm, I'm good for at least two, even on a small <laughs> slurpee, because I love them so much I can't drink them slowly and I pay for it. Is that like the worst feeling in the world? It really, Where do you oh, get it? Yeah. I get it like alongside my side of my nose. Where do you get yours? Same. And you know how to combat it, they say? Put your Slurpee up against your wrist. Really? That's how they say we'll stop a brain freeze. Really? Where yes. were you 30 years ago when I had my first Slurpee? <laughs> Jeez, usually, are you kidding? Usually if I drink water, it'll go away. Okay, there you go. Where do you get the brain fee- uh, freeze pain? Same, same, same area. How about you, Steph? Where do you get that? Everybody gets it in a different place, you know? Could be in your eye, could be in your throat, could be in the roof of your mouth, could be in your nose. That's where I get it. Where do you get a brain freeze? Like my pain? head. Wait a minute, the whole head? Yeah. No kidding. 
Big time brain freeze. Okay, you need to back off on a Slurpee's there. Your head's going to explode. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Deb. Well, a Florida man is facing DUI charges despite telling cops he wasn't drinking and driving. He was only drinking at stop signs and red lights. While he was stopped, so not guilty, yep. officer. Laura mm-hmm. Dodd. Earl Stevens was arrested last month in Vero Beach after a woman at a McDonald's drive through reported someone kept driving into the back of her car. Police say he was drinking from a bottle of Jim Bean. When police told the 69-year-old to get out of the car, he complied. He also left the car in drive, according to the police report. <laughs> Another Florida driving news. Oh, man. We're not sure what's in the water in South Florida these days, but it's causing some pretty crazy things on the highways. Just two weeks after a man was seen clinging to the hood of a car driven by his ex-girlfriend on I-95, a similar incident was spotted Tuesday afternoon. We got another hood surfer they're yes, calling him now. Yes, Local 10 News says a viewer sent in video of what appears to be a man on the hood of a speeding car heading southbound on I-95. And the viewer said the van he was traveling in was going 65 miles an hour and the car in question was going much faster. A trooper for the Florida Highway Patrol says they were contacted about the incident and that the vehicle and the man were last seen traveling towards Miami Beach. However, FHP is not investigating the incident because no one was able to provide a license plate number. So there's no way to catch the guy. Hops off the hood and uh, there's nothing he can do. It's crazy. It's crazy. How dangerous would that be? This guy's going, he has to be going 75 or 80 because it's a super highway and he's passing everybody on the video. I've seen it. I mean, if anybody just taps the brakes, you come sliding off that and you are roadkill. Which is amazing that the guy last month was able to hang on to the speeding car while he was also on the phone with 911. Man, that is bizarre. Isn't that bizarre it stuff? Sure is. Yeah. Welcome to Florida, but we're number three on the list of the best cities in the country to drive in. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo! Yeah, you that heard was it here fun. first. We had great calls on that. <laughs> All right, Deb, great to have you back from vacation. Thank you very much. She'll be back with more news when it breaks and top of the hour as well. Yaffe and I are going to um, take you on a journey into future world. The future is now from some amazing technology or for some amazing technology enabling us to see through walls. Oh, no. How is this going to be used? Not good. Or abused. No. Okay? Buckle up. <laughs> to future world we go. You don't want to miss it. It is coming up next right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you. And I'll do that here in two minutes. On News Radio 1025 WFLA. Now, Good Morning Orlando transports you from today to tomorrow and beyond. Prepare to be amazed as you enter Future World. And welcome aboard as we rocket you into the future, but we don't have to go far. It's pretty much a case of the future is almost here when it comes to this stunning technological breakthrough at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. MIT students have developed technology now that can see through walls. You know, now we're under surveillance. Privacy is gone. Cameras are everywhere, but hey, if we go behind a wall or retreat into the walls of our own home, we're safe and secure. Nobody can see us unless we want them to see us. 
That's not true with this technology known as RF Pose, P-O-S-E. They are testing it, and it's amazing. You can look on our website and see how this works and what it can do at 1025WFLA.com, keyword Budman. Yaffe has posted a story and the video. Now, here's the deal. This technology uses radio waves. They shoot the radio waves through a solid wall, and it can pick up the presence of people on the other side of the walls moving around, and um, the human bodies reflect back the waves, and then they can use computer technology to actually diagram the people on the other side. It's amazing. As they walk, as they sit, as they stand, as they as they cross paths, you can see it all. And they say they have an 83% success rate um, when it comes to being able to identify individuals from a known group. So they say this technology could one day be useful for all kinds of things. Police work, finding criminals even when they're hiding, rescue operations, and even health care. So like so much technology through the years, it can and is used for good as well as bad. Because think of the privacy ramifications of this with this technology. You know, we can see the cameras that are looking at us. But if a camera can be hidden, or we try to hide behind a wall and cameras on the other side, we can't see it but it can see us. It is an absolute prescription when misused for the final nail in the coffin of privacy in 21st century America. Yaffe, what do you think of the RF pose technology um, that has been developed by the students at MIT? Well, uh, the first thing we need to mention is that the radio waves can make like kind of a diagram, Mm -hmm. but you can't like, completely see the person it's not like you're superman and you can see so guys couldn't use it to like look in a girl's locker room or something Here, but like listen that. they're saying they have an 83 percent success rate in identifying individuals from a known group wow that's what's written here with the article yeah i mean this i think this technology was inevitable it was going to come one day there's going to be good uses and bad uses like you said i don't know you know, a lot of people that don't like it, I don't know how we stop it. I don't know how you can prevent this technology from developing. All you, all you from can do is control it and regulate it. You yeah, know? I guess. Well, as with anything else, you know, because there, there's the two sides to the technological coin. We've seen it, you know, through, down through the years. It's nuclear power. It's nuclear yep, bombs. Exactly you know, that right. Sort of thing, right. You know, and I would just wonder, like, if police used this, would it be admissible in court as evidence? Mm-hmm. You know, that would be another issue down the line. A court would have to determine if police or military or something could use this. Right. It's like it's like you know the controversy over lie detector tests, whether they're admissible or whatever. Exactly right. When DNA came in, there was a big controversy over whether or not that could be used to convict a criminal in a courtroom. The landmark case for that was right here in Orlando uh, back in the 1980s. But look for more on this. It is called RF Pose, and they are testing this technology that can see through walls. Check it on the website, 
1025wfla.com keyword budman for the video and contemplate the ramifications of this breakthrough as we leave you in future world. We invite you to journey with us next time into future world where the wonders of tomorrow are revealed today. Good morning, Orlando. Good morning to you. We continue for another hour from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell. Hit pound 250, keyword real estate. That will have the news update here in just a moment in the 8 o'clock hour. You've got to be with us for this. It was breaking news overnight. We got it on the air at 6 o'clock, and I'll replay some of this. Trump, even before the NATO summit in Brussels uh, begins, has ripped into the Secretary General about the alliance and countries not paying their fair share, and has ripped Germany, accusing them of being under the control of Russia. You you don't want to miss this. It is high drama, and they're getting ready to actually kick off the summit, and, uh, and Trump has fired some heavy shots before they even begin. Stay tuned for that. And by the way, it's our legal segment, Legal Briefs, with our expert on all legal matters, Attorney Jeff Kaufman, with Deb at 840 this morning. We do it every Wednesday. Deb's back right now with Attorney Kaufman. Text your legal questions to 23680. Text your legal questions now to 23680. Keep it nice, short, and sweet so we can understand it and maybe use it on the air. Standard message and data rates apply there. And uh, Deb will also be talking about some cutting-edge legal issues that are in the news with attorney Jeff Kaufman. So stay tuned. It's all coming up. But right now, you can get some free legal advice on the air from one of the best in the business Text your legal questions now to 23680 for attorney Jeff Kaufman. Good morning, Orlando. Delighted to have you with us here on a beautiful Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Florida leads in the number of law officers killed in the line of duty and an armed standoff is over with an arrest in the villages. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Trump triggers a NATO showdown before the summit even begins. You'll hear it next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Wednesday morning, it's 8.03 on News Radio 1025. Florida is way out in front in a grim statistic so far this year. Craig Floyd is with the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. Florida does lead the nation in officer fatalities during the first half of 2018 with seven law enforcement deaths uh, out of a total nationwide of 73. So uh, Florida, far and away, has more deaths than any other state in the country. Yeah, Florida is followed by New York and North Carolina with four officer fatalities so far this year. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Meanwhile, a barricade situation is over in the villages. An armed man was taken into custody after a standoff in a home, followed by a brief chase. A sheriff's office spokesman says their suspect, identified as Brian Davis, gave up after the chase and shots were fired into his vehicle. Uh, we did apprehend a suspect just in the Lake County in a, a field off of well, it's Micro Racetrack Road. And he's in custody. He's uninjured and... The deputies were injured. The suspect is a former employee of the Belle Glade Country Club, and police believe he robbed the place overnight and then ran to the house before driving a car out of the home's garage and leading deputies on the brief chase. Deputies say Davis was taken into custody without incident after that standoff. 
An Illinois Park officer is on desk duty today after a viral video shows him standing by while a woman was harassed over a shirt showing the Puerto Rican flag. The video shows a man telling the woman she shouldn't be wearing that shirt in America and asks if she's an American citizen. She asked the officer for help, but the officer doesn't appear to respond. Later, more officers showed up, and the man who confronted the woman was arrested. The Cook County Forest Preserves says the matter is under investigation. Sarah Palin says she got tricked into doing an interview with comedian Sasha Baron Cohen. Cohen is famous for using uh, false pretenses to score mock interviews with people this time. He apparently disguised himself as a disabled veteran to interview the former vice presidential candidate and Alaska governor for his upcoming Showtime TV show. Palin said she flew from Alaska to Washington, D.C. for what she thought was a legitimate historical documentary and called Cohen's humor sick, evil, and exploitive. And there are calls now for that show to be canceled, I think, by by CBS. But I don't know how Sarah Palin got snookered by Sasha Cohen on this because he's been up to this stuff for a long time. I know, but then at the same time, you know, you think about it, you had a prankster who was able to get the president on the phone on Air Force One. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they out take there. take a and... lot of phone calls, a yes. lot of messages. Yeah, it's an interesting point. The uh, An Israeli woman is hospitalized in Florida after a tragic, freaky ziplining accident that killed her husband. Oh, my goodness. Schiff Fanken and her husband, Egel Tishman, were on a honeymoon cruise and decided to go ziplining. It's one of these side trips that you can book on your cruise yeah. at, a, at an extra charge. Everybody does that when they go to these these tropical ports of call. And yeah. we have a lot of zipline uh, attractions here in Florida. Yes, we do. Well, they decided to go ziplining on the island of Roatan, which is part of Honduras. Now, unfortunately, Tishman got stuck. And Fankin didn't know it when she started her run. Oh, no. And they collided. Oh, boy. Tishman died while oh, Fankin boy. is dealing with serious injuries. Oh, my goodness. What an awful story that On a is. a honeymoon cruise. Oof. That's just horrible. And finally, we're getting our first look at the proposed new home of the Tampa Bay Rays in Tampa's Ybor City neighborhood. The team's Melanie Lenz says the stadium will, quote, bring the outside in with a fully enclosed translucent roof and sliding glass exterior walls. Bring the outside in. And that's one of the most exciting things that we're doing about this project. We're bringing the outside in and celebrating our natural environment under a fixed translucent roof. It'll be limited to just over 28,000 fixed seats. Boy, which, that's small for Major League Baseball. Exactly. The Rays says that will make it the most intimate ballpark in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Still to be determined, though... Who's going to pay for Tampa Bay Rays ballpark, which is expected to cost nearly $900 million? Oh, they haven't got that little item nailed down no. yet? <laughs> Build it Might and be then, nice. Build it, and then we'll worry about who's going to pay <laughs> oh, the price tag. I'll tell you one thing. If it's going to be in Ybor City, if you're talking about a baseball fan, if you're in central Florida, the Orlando yes. area, a lot closer than going all the way yes. to St. Petersburg to watch the Rays at the Trop. Which is a nightmare right now, you, just to get to, through traffic together by the yeah, time the game yeah. starts. Yeah, it's a battle. That would be better. We'll see how this plays out. The pictures of that thing, very futuristic. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Yep. Translucent roof, pretty cool. Yep. WFLA News Time, it's 8.08, and you can watch as body cam footage captures officers saving a two-year-old girl who nearly drowned, and they had only been on the force for seven months. See it for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. We're going to get into Trump ripping NATO and Germany at the summit in Brussels before it even begins. It was breaking news overnight. If you're just joining us, sit tight. You're going to want to hear this. 
But, Deb, you have your very popular legal brief segment with Attorney Jeff Kaufman coming up here. He'll be live in the studio with you at 840 this morning. Um, What's the focus? Well, what we're going to talk about is I want to ask, how do you become a judge? Of course, with the president's nominee for the Supreme Court, it got me thinking there aren't exactly classes you can take to become a judge. So how does an attorney become a judge and ascend all the way to to our nation's highest court? And then I also wanted to ask about a defense agreement that is part of an agreement that's going on with Michael Cohen that's going to drastically change once his new lead counsel uh, takes over. So I'm going to ask about that. But listener questions is what I really want to get to. And I have a really great question that someone asked on patents. How do folks uh, address their legal questions to legal briefs? It's real easy. Just text us to 23680. Standard message and data rates do apply, but it's a great opportunity for you to get free legal advice from the only personal injury attorney who is licensed in 18 states. So text it to us to 23680, and we'll take your questions right off the top. Legal briefs with Deb and Attorney Kaufman coming up in exactly 30 minutes. Don't miss it. It's a weekly must hear on Good Morning Orlando. Another word from Deb coming right up, and then we'll get to the NATO summit, and uh, the president has triggered a showdown with Germany and the NATO alliance before they even actually have begun the summit meeting. That's ahead, along with an update for you, of course, on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. I'll have that in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Before we get to that um, pre-NATO summit showdown in Brussels that broke overnight, our time. Let's listen to the president departing for the uh, summit meeting with the alliance overseas. Trump at the White House yesterday. I have NATO. I have the UK, which is in somewhat turmoil. And I have Putin. Frankly, Putin may be the easiest of them all. Who would think? Who would think? So just now, the leaders of the 29 nations are gathering for the welcoming ceremonies to kick off the NATO summit. But earlier this morning, there was a bilateral breakfast, Trump and his team, and the Secretary General of, um, of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, okay? And it was just supposed to be a friendly uh, get acquainted here, and, uh, you know, we're all together in the alliance, and it's a wonderful thing at NATO. And all of a sudden, Trump wouldn't have any of the schmooze job, and he came out swinging. And his big problem is this. Not only are nations like Germany not paying the 2% of GDP that they pledged to, we're paying far more than that to float the NATO alliance, and they've committed to pay, and they're not paying what they're supposed to. And Germany's the biggest economy in Europe, and they're only paying about 1% right now. And he called them out immediately on that, and he, and he got into the situation with Germany that wants us to protect them from Russia and called out Germany and Chancellor Angela Merkel, who was not actually in the room, for their $12 billion gas and oil pipeline deal they're working out with Russia that will cause Germany to be dependent on Russia for 70% of their energy. Listen to Trump. I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia, and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries, and then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. 
So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia. And I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70 percent of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we've, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. And he said, you know, prior presidents have known about this, but really haven't made an effort to do anything about it. And he is going to take care of the problem. The current chancellor, Angela Merkel, is pushing back saying that her country is not totally controlled by Russia and that Germany makes its own independent decisions and policies. Um, Trump got into it across the table in the pre-summit breakfast with the NATO Secretary General uh, Jens Stoltenberg. I can't play any of him because his accent's so heavy. It's very hard to understand it, I think, and pick it up on the radio. But Stoltenberg says, well, you know, NATO is the, is the alliance of 29 nations. There are some disagreements, and gas from Russia and Germany is where the allies disagree. Uh, but despite our differences, we're strong when we're all together, Mr. Trump. And Trump wouldn't buy it, saying, how can you be together when a country's getting its energy from the person you want protection against, Russia, or from the group that you want protection against? <laughs> that was great. Stoltenberg, uh, and when we stand together also in dealing with Russia, we are stronger. Trump, you're just making Russia richer. You're not dealing with Russia. You're making Russia richer. We're supposed to protect Germany, but they're getting their energy from Russia. Explain that, he said. It can't be explained. Wow. That's before the summit ever officially begins. I'm telling you, this is the guy we hired to take this country in another direction and to be the preeminent force for good in the world, and to call out our allies as well as our enemies when they're not pulling their oar. I'm telling you, I am on fire. I'm on the Trump train about the Trump trip. What's your reaction to what you have just heard? 407-916-5400. Text me at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. I want to give you a chance to weigh in. Um, and, and I brought that back at 8 o'clock. We had talked about it when it was breaking news at 6. Trump already a dominant imposing figure at the NATO summit, ripping into the Secretary General of NATO about the countries like Europe not paying their fair share, like Germany not paying their fair share into the NATO alliance that they have committed to, and to Germany for um, cutting a pipeline deal to make them dependent on Russia that we're supposed to protect them from for 70% of their energy needs. It was great. High theater, more to come. Frank's in Deltona. Frank, what do you think? Frank, good Sorry morning. That, but, uh, let me tell you something. We've got a real commander-in-chief. Okay? We have somebody who's going to go ahead and look out for the United States and not for these other countries. Quite frankly, I think we should pull out of NATO. We don't need NATO anymore. It's outlived its usefulness. Uh, or we should charge each one of these countries in gold in gold protecting their butt. All right. Well, that's interesting, Frank. I don't think we're going to pull out of NATO, but the president's going to insist, you know, we're not going to keep on paying the lion's share of this far more than the 2% GDP that they're now required to pay, but most of them are not. And Germany's only paying 1%. They're the top economy in all of Europe, for crying out loud. We're not going to put up with that anymore. And the duplicity 
of Germany demanding that the United States play nice and protect and support the alliance and protect them against the threat of Russia when they've signed a deal or are in the process of doing it that will make them so energy dependent on Russia with that $12 billion pipeline. Think about it, Yaffe. Russia could just, you know, get angry at them, turn the tap off. And that, that is a level of control that Trump is saying is intolerable for a member of the alliance to allow themselves to be in that position with Russia. This is going to get very, very interesting. That was just at a breakfast before the summit began. I wonder what would happen if the U.S. decided not to pay as much. You know, if other countries are only paying 1%, 2% in defense. I mean, is it their overall defense spending or what we're spending in the NATO? That's the problem. I mean, we're not going to cut our overall defense spending. No, I know we would not. But, I mean, we, we put in about, I think, 4% of GDP. Now, that's 4% of the biggest economy in the world, okay? Right, yeah. A gross domestic product here. And they're supposed to do, too. They signed off on that in 2014 before Trump was even president. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? And I uh, mean, this is something, yeah, past presidents have complained about for a while. Yes. Some countries are contributing more. So Trump's making some progress, but he says it's not good enough. No. And I don't know. We may find out before the summit is over here. Trump just may say that's it for us. You'd never know. Uh, but I tell you what, I think he's going to get some action on some of this stuff. I think he's scared the pants off him over there this morning. And the Secretary General of NATO was rocked back on his heels at that breakfast. <laughs> you could tell that. He said, I thought we were just going to share some ham and eggs, Mr. President. And, you know, and he get on with this summit. We're all at fans here, aren't we? Not exactly, unless you play the game right. That was great. Deb, wonderful to have you back today for vacation. You've got legal briefs coming up with Attorney Kaufman, but first of all, let's get right into the news. Well, uh, it's not good news because so far, not so good as Florida leads the country in deaths of law officers in the line of duty during the first half of 2018 with seven. Perhaps the most uh, outrageous act of violence committed against law enforcement occurred in Gilchrist County, uh, where two uh, uh, sheriffs, a deputy and a sergeant, were shot and killed in an ambush attack while eating at a restaurant. Craig Floyd with the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund says eight law officers died in Florida during all of last year. Of course, one death is one too many. Florida is followed by New York and North Carolina with four law officer fatalities so far this year. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. And from the bad news about our first responders, we go to the good news. When a Florida man on the Gulf Coast had a heart attack and couldn't finish his yard work, local first responders who brought him to the hospital stepped in to make sure that his lawn was completed ahead of a deadline set by his homeowners association. Big fine in the works, apparently, if he didn't get this done, and he was really uptight about it. Gene Work was laying sod on his property of his Bayonet Point home on Saturday with the help of his brother and his wife. As he was rushing to complete the yard, his wife says, quote, his biggest stress is our HOA date to finance a huge amount was getting closer, end quote. He suffered a heart attack. That is, I mean, that is heavy, hard work moving sod around. Yes, it is. And instead of worrying about his health, Gene, according to his wife's post on Facebook, was more concerned with the HOA's fine and was literally in and out of consciousness. He kept begging his wife, Melissa, to figure out how to figure out the sod and have it put down because he didn't want it to go to waste and die. Mm -hmm. Gene's brother, who'd been working on the property, stayed behind to finish the job. He was planning to stay there until odd hours of the night to complete it. But in the middle of laying new rows of sod on the property, all of a sudden he hears huge trucks 
driving back down the road. Those vehicles turned out to be a Pasco County fire truck and an ambulance that had come back to the scene to aid him with the artwork. He says, quote, before he knows it, seven fire firefighters and EMTs jumped out of those trucks, put on gloves, and said they came back because they knew Gene was in serious trouble. He wasn't going to be getting out of the hospital for weeks, yeah. and they didn't want the, his sod to this die. This is awesome. Isn't that a great, yeah. great story? They helped even without knowing that Gene had to pawn his favorite gun in order to be able to afford the sod. Oh, man, he was in rough shape. They also helped without knowing that his wife, Melissa, is scheduled to undergo a bone marrow transplant in August. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You know? Isn't that great? Yeah, it is great. And and it is one of those stories that, that restores your faith. You Absolutely. Know, in the essential goodness of most people. Absolutely. Knowing full well yeah. that they have other calls to go to. They're always working in the hot Florida sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to have them show up. You know, fire truck and an ambulance, EMTs and firefighters jumping out to lay down a sick man's sod. Yeah. You know what? You say there's not enough good news. Deb works real hard to find it, and that's about as good as it gets. What's coming up on Legal Briefs with Attorney Kaufman? Well, we've got a very interesting question that was texted uh, texted in by a listener, a patent question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also invite you, to, there's still time to send your questions in to 23680. Also going to ask, how do you become a judge? We've been talking a lot about the president's Supreme Court nominee. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not like you can go to college to become a judge. So how does that first step happen? Good stuff, and uh, and more as well, and some uh, Trump administration controversy, Michael Cohen and all of that. Yes. You're going to get into that, too? Yep. All right, Deb's coming up. Legal briefs, you don't want to miss it. We do it once a week at 840 here with attorney Jeff Kaufman. And um, stay tuned. It's coming right up after I update you again on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. And hang with me for that. It's coming your way in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. And 842 on a Wednesday morning means it's time for Legal Briefs with attorney Jeff Kaufman, nationally recognized personal injury attorney, the only one who is licensed in 18 states. Good Wednesday morning, Jeff. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, that seems like a lot. Yeah, it does like seem lot. like a lot. Yeah. I, I love mentioning the fact that you had the rules changed so that they won't allow other attorneys to yeah, rack New up. York had to change that rule. So. Did they really? <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't have to take that bar, so we're good. Hey, that's yeah. and we're great because this way we get lots of great free legal advice from the only attorney who is licensed in 18 states. So with uh, just a few minutes to go, let's jump in with both feet. Yesterday, of course, I know you were in talking with Bud and Mike about the new Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. And I wanted to ask you, how does one become a judge? You're an attorney. Well, what what would be the first step you would have to take to become a judge? Because there are no college courses for it, right? No, you, I mean, you can either get appointed, you could be elected. Like in Florida, most of the judges are elected. So you have to run oh. just like you would for, you know, Senate or our county commissioner. It's the same thing. But it's not the same in every state. So not no, every... some are appointed. Oh, I see. Okay, who does the appointing? Uh, it depends. It could be the governor. It could be a committee. I mean, for example, the Supreme Court, how it works out is the president gets a list, and then he goes, okay, this is the guy I'm putting forward. Then this person has to deal with the Senate and go through a bunch of hearings and everything else, and then it's a vote, and majority wins. Yeah, and I know uh, Kavanaugh went through three years for his confirmation to the federal appeals court, so he knows the confirmation process inside and out. But it's tough, and this is a really good judge, though. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, really smart guy. Oh, you know, and compares it to some of the clowns that they can send forward sometimes. So generally, it's something that after you become an attorney, your career trajectory just takes you to that place where there you decide that you want to pursue yeah. a judgeship. Yeah, if I want to, that's it. all federal judges are appointed. There's no election. So, you know, this is they they. 
put in hundreds of these guys. And depending on which political party is in charge, that's the political affiliation of those judges. So those guys are going to, that's why when you've heard the term forum shopping or judge shopping, you know, they'll go to a judge that they know has certain political leanings and they'll file in his court. And that's how they get away with issues that might not work in one court will work in another court. Right. Like when we had the uh, Puerto Rican, the temporary yeah. housing assistance. The immigration that was stuff from... is pushed in different courts. Like, for example, Hawaii, those a lot of those judges are Democrat leaning uh, judges. So they know if they put that in front of them or the or the judges out of, for example, San Francisco. Exactly. Right. They would never do that in a state that had, you know. Uh, where the judge was appointed by the Republicans. I was just thinking about that because in talking about, you know, Mr. Kavanaugh's vast experience, it makes me, it just made me wonder, hmm, how do you become a judge before you can become a nominee to the highest court in the land? Yeah, a lot of times these guys clerk at, clerk for judges. That means they're, when a judge wants to rule a certain way, he goes, well, I don't, I want to rule this way. So he tells his clerk, go find me a bunch of case law that supports my position. And then that clerk goes out and writes it all for him. And that's like, you don't think these Supreme Court justices are writing their own stuff. You know, that's not that's not happening. No, no, it's not. No, these guys eat too well to be spending that much time. (laughs) All right. Well, this is a question from a listener, and it's a very fascinating question. It's a patent question. Uh, Quote, if you use someone's existing product in your product, do you need to have their permission? For example, if you make trail mix and you put gummy bears in it, do you have to have gummy bears permission to use it? It's really how much of it you use. I mean, for example, if you're saying, listen, I'm selling gummy bears and you just take somebody else's gummy bears and sell it as your own, you have a problem. Uh, if you advertise it, for example, like the uh, Godiva chocolate cake, you can't do that without Godiva's permission. Now, if you use Godiva chocolate, it depends on how much you use and how much you're claiming is yours and theirs. I mean, you can mix products all the time, but... The problem is, is what scale you're selling it on. It's it's a very slippery slope when you're dealing with this stuff. I was going to say, because couldn't, couldn't they just say trail mix with candy? Exactly, exactly. And they could get away from the whole having to I mean, how many M&Ms are in trail mix? That People put M&Ms in trail mix all the time. Right. Uh, but, you know, if you're selling it as Bob's chocolate candy trail mix and it's really M&Ms, you're going to have a problem. And is there a certain amount of percentage that you have to make sure you're above or below before you have to give that credit? Or is this something that the listener should really seek out a patent attorney? I can promise you this. I've never seen that on a bar exam. I don't really. <laughs> that's a tough one. I, I, I could sit here and say, well, the pound of this, my grandmother used to eat a pound of M&M. So I don't know. I, <laughs> I have no clue. I'm sorry. Want to go by your grandmother's? I, I could pretend I, I could be one of those lawyers. Of course, I know. You see, you see, son. No, I'm not doing that. You're one. not going to do that? No, I don't know. Okay. Well, this just uh, out of uh, Paul Manafort. Lawyers for Paul Manafort are worried about his safety in jail. Um, Attorneys for the former Trump campaign manager asked a judge yesterday not to transfer Manafort to a jail near D.C. Earlier, the judge had ordered him to be moved so he could have better access to his legal team. But that same legal team says, hey, that could put his life in real danger. He goes on trial July 25th on bank and tax fraud charges. Um, But he said federal jail. I mean, there's a difference between county lockup and state lockup. You normally in your federal prisons, you have your higher class of criminal. Um, I found out, for example, when I had to visit jails earlier in my career, I was really popular because these people need advice. So Paul better break out his criminal defense books. Absolutely. And and just put out that Lucy sign, you know, like the peanut sign where it says 25 cents for legal services. (laughs) He should just sit there and give as much advice. He'll be the most popular guy there. You won't have to worry about anything. But really, what what could they be saying if he's in a federal jail? What were they what are they trying to allude to? Well, they don't want to get get beat up. 
You know, that's their their concern is, you know, you you have a popular guy and whether it be serial killers, child molesters or politicians, you know, these aren't the most popular guys in jail and they're worried about a safety and, and they should. They'll probably stick them in, uh, you know, one of these safer prisons. I mean, but it, I'd be surprised if he's in this major felony prison. I, I would, too. Uh, and they're I mean, you know, the judge is saying, hey, this is going to make it easier for you to access your legal team. But that legal team is saying, yeah, how about no. we pass on my legal team for a while? I can I can sit here. You can email me. We're yeah. good. And then also from from the Trump administration came word earlier this week that Michael Cohen, of course, used to be the personal attorney for the president. Um, now he has hired his own legal counsel. And Guy Petrillo who used to be a lead prosecutor in the New York office. Once he takes over as lead attorney for Michael Cohen, this thing that they have called a defense agreement where it's allowed his attorneys and the president's attorneys to share documents and communicate is going to come to an end. Is that something that's very common in, in the legal world, these defense agreements? I've never well, – this is what can happen because I had this happen to me earlier in my career where I was – there were two other attorneys on the case. And during the during – the, before we went to trial – I was talking to one of the attorneys about what I had planned to do, and I was going to do this. It was going to be really tricky. It was going to be fun. I was going to pull this off. He went over to the other side and told them exactly what I was going to do. And I remember talking to my partner, Craig, about it. And he goes, no, that couldn't have happened. And it happened. And this guy had no duty to not disclose it. So that's why you have these agreements to make sure that one attorney doesn't sabotage another attorney. Ah, so that's the because I'd never, ever heard of that kind of agreement yeah. before. I had no idea that that kind of a deal could be made. I just remember the shock on my face because my I was good. Did, did this guy just do that? And he came by. Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I said, you just screwed up my whole legal tactic here. Why would you do that? Yeah. Why and I realized it was for side? his own benefit and ah. to, to kind of like to show to help out his own client. And I was going, OK, you know, my my uh, naive. Yeah, young attorney self. <laughs> Lesson Never learned. Never happen again. I bet. Lesson Never learned. Never happen again, yeah. Well, listen, speaking of lessons and the things that you've learned in your career, one of the things that you say breaks your heart each and every time that you encounter it is a family member who's had another family member pass, and they yeah. didn't have a will or a power of attorney put in place, and now you're watching families dissolve into what we see so many times, so many arguments over, I'm supposed to get this, no, mom said I get this. So, yeah, this is Will's, Will's at a state. This yeah. is the problem. You have a duty in Florida. And I mean, you don't have a legal duty, but you have a duty for the people who are going to have to survive past you. We provide Will's on our website at whenyouneedus.com. And even though we specialize in personal injury, the importance I learned is when my father passed was that, you know, thank God he had a will. Thank God these things were written down. And people still wanted to fight, but by having these documents in place, you make sure that the people who are responsible for you afterwards, you know, you make it easier for them. And, and why make things hard? It's going to be hard enough for them living without you. Right. Imagine having to make your decisions because you didn't make them. So on our site, they're free. It's a bare bones will. It has, also, we have a power of attorney, a living will, stuff like that. You know, there's a video of me. I don't look great on it, but, the you know, I shot it from my office just letting people know this is how you do it. All right, and that's whenyouneedus.com. Absolutely. And that's also where they can get a hold of you for some more legal advice. And next week, I'm not going to be here, so you're going to have to, like, make up the law on yourself. But don't, don't, you know, don't pretend you're an attorney. It's a crime. <laughs> really? It is. Yeah, yeah it's no, a felony. I'm, I'm not, State of Florida, don't be, don't be doing that. I'm not smart enough. <laughs> uh, you, you're <laughs> smart enough not. for me. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you once again. Safe travels to San Diego. We look forward to having you back. Perfect. Legal briefs with attorney Jeff Kaufman, once again, nationally recognized personal injury attorney, but both 
Jeff and I are going to make a way once again for Bud Hedinger back on the 50,000-watt front porch on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. Yaffe. Of course, Lisa Page was having an affair with Peter Strzok, and they were texting yes. back and forth during the campaign, and all of this has come to light, right? The message is there that is Trump going to become president? Oh, no, 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 don't worry. We'll stop it, right. you know? And uh, and 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 Strzok's going to be testifying in open hearings tomorrow, but Page was supposed to be there today. I thought you got locked up if you didn't answer a congressional subpoena. That is a very good question. We should have asked Jeff Kaufman that when he was here. We should have. Lock her up. Lock her up. 